0: Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast, Our High Tops, His Steps. We're so
1: glad that you're here. I'm Lily. I'm Audrey, and let's get into it. So, guys, we went thrifting on Tuesday because Audrey claims that she has no fun clothes. Listen, I probably told y'all this last week, to be honest, but basically,
0: when I was, like, packing to come here in the summer, it was so hot, I didn't want to pack any long sleeves or anything at all near the realm of hot. And so, I, I don't have
1: fall clothes here. Like, they're not here. She's a drama queen. I have, like, She literally has, like, sweatshirts. She has jeans. Yeah, but she I... Has no. no. She has long sleeve shirts. No. She has t-shirts and turtlenecks. No. Just not enough of all those things. Right. Like, it's not
0: giving she's fall. Having... And so, we went thrifting. And I honestly think I do a decent job of thrifting. Like, when I go, like, <laughs> I have not necessarily a price limit, but, like, a mental, like, I'm not spending more than $5 on one item. Because if not, It's, it's not, not thrifting. thrifting. But thrifting with Lily Seaver goes like this. We go to whichever thrifting place closes first. When it closes, we go to the next. When it closes, we go to the next. And then well, then we have three options, okay? So first of all, we can go to Plato's Closet, which, you know, is not thrifting, but it's at least, like, used clothes. So it's, like, consignment. It's a nod
1: to thrifting it's okay, a little bit.
0: Number two, we go to the clearance section at Kohl's, which is... Okay. A nod, th- it's a nod to thrifting. thrifting. But this week... We did indeed not go to either of those. We went to Target, and Lily bought a thirty-six dollars sweater.
1: So it was a quarter of a jacket to edit that. It was cute, and it is freaking cute. It like was cute. it was so cute. It's still so cute. Um, and I want to wear it every day. If you want
0: to save money, don't go thrifting. With Lily Seaver is no, the message of the day. But just
1: so you know, I'm not confused. I know it's not thrifting. I specifically said thrifting and shopping begin, and then we went to Target. Um. I just, if I don't find enough thrifting, then I am willing to spend more money.
0: She feels like it's not a complete trip unless she finds things she loves, which exactly. each their own. Exactly.
1: Also, but I needed rings, then. and then I saw the corduroy jacket, and then. If
0: you spend too much time around Audrey, you'll end up wearing rings and lots of bracelets. Seriously? And Lily's there, so
1: she's on a ring spree. I am, but I must say, I do do it in my own genre, okay? It's different. It's more pink. Not pink. Yeah, I guess some pink. It's okay. You can like pink. You're a girl. True. <laughs> I don't mean, like all the pink though. You know what I mean? Like I do. There's not Barbie. Of pink.
0: No. Although that's okay. On to episode eighteen. Eighteen.
1: Wow. Whoa, that's crazy. Audrey, have you ever um, played capture the flag?
0: I think the first time I played capture the flag was my freshman mud week.
1: You yeah. literally
0: had like what? I'm sorry. Did what did you play at camp? It's too hot at Daniel Springs to play Capture the Flag. In your
1: church gym? Mm,
0: Like, we play kickball at my church gym every
1: Sunday before church. Like, my family, when we have, like, a get-together for, like, a bonfire or something, we split up our farm, and we say, this side, like, we have a map in our our house, not a map, but, like, an overview of our, like, farm, you know what I mean? Wow. And we go in inside the kitchen and say, okay, this side is your side. This side is your side. Here's the boundaries. We hide the flag. We, like, mark each other up. Like, my whole family is a capture-the-flag family. We play baseball. No, we don't like baseball. Again, that's a southern we thing. You don't like baseball? We love baseball. Baseball is a southern thing. Because, like, people play baseball in the north, but, like, it's not... Interesting. Like, we play football.
0: I like it. I mean, no, I don't like football. I don't I'm either. Sorry, I hate to say that.
1: Um, But... Anyway, have you ever been, obviously no, but like, have you ever been in jail and capture the flag is where I was going with this, I but think you totally ruined my great well, transition. I think, no, when I was at CBC,
0: like, I think I, I probably ended up in jail. Probably. I can't remember. I'm like the one that sits by the flag and puppy guards. So I probably wasn't in jail, but I get what and you're see, trying to say. that
1: word should be cherry picking. That's what you say in up north. I like picking cherries. Cherry picking, not puppy guarding.
0: <laughs> Words. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that. But basically, I ruined it. But it was going to be a funny little way to introduce us to our theme for today and actually the next couple of weeks because we had this grand idea and then it kind of bled into four ideas. and <laughs> Maybe
1: five. We spent like
0: three hours planning this because it was so extensive. Guys, so- I literally
1: feel like I'm in an ocean trying to like everything connects and everything's the same and there's so much and we literally couldn't decide like what verses to choose and not choose. Just read all of Galatians. And in Romans and 1 Corinthians. Y'all are going to see where this
0: is going. (laughs) But we're going to have a three part, maybe four part series. We're not
1: totally sure yet, but we're going to talk about freedom. Yay. So, freedom, according to Google, is the power of or right to think, act, or speak as one wants without hindrance. A lot of times when we think of freedom as Americans, we think of our rights and our freedoms, and we want to do what we want, and we want to own property, and we want to speak, and we want to vote, and we want all of our freedoms, and we love to take all of the rights that are ours. Like, we want to be free, and that's like, I am American, I am free, I am independent. Yay! We love freedom. <laughs>
0: We do. But to go back a little bit to the beginning, when God created us, he gave us the freedom to choose things, right? So Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they had the choice to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or not. They had this choice that they could make to eat or not to eat of the fruit. Because if God had made us as creatures that had no choice, then how would he get glory from our worship? God did not make us as robots. He didn't say, okay, Audrey Johnson, you're gonna do this, 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 and this. I was talking with my friend, Amanda, and we were talking about how, like, if someone forced me to be nice to her, then I wouldn't really be being nice to her. I would just be responding to the force. Like, yeah, if I... It wouldn't forced- be genuine. Right. It wouldn't be genuine. So if I'm being forced to do something, then I'm not actually doing it out of the kindness of my heart. In the same way, we are inherently free to make certain choices in our lives. But where things get a little bit interesting is that we are also limited by our human nature. See, sin and the desire to sin permeates every fiber of our existence. And it began to do that the moment that Adam and Eve chose to eat of the fruit. Sin entered the world. And because of that, we're cursed to follow our human nature in a sense. So this poses the question of where does actual freedom come from?
1: Okay, so we talked about how... America defines freedom and how Google defines freedom, and we introduce the way that God defines freedom, but really, how does God define freedom? In Galatians 5.1, it says, It for, was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So, before Christ, we were enslaved to sin. Romans 6.16 says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. No matter who you think that you're serving, you are either serving sin or you are serving obedience to God. Now, one of those brings freedom and one of those brings slavery. Um, if you are intentionally serving God, if you are not intentionally serving God, then the only alternative is to serve the devil in sin. And when you serve the devil in sin, you are enslaved to him in what he wants from you and you are only following him. That is what you are um, only ever doing. Now think about that. Like you are enslaved. Wh- whatever, whoever you are, whatever you believe, you are enslaved to something or someone. And that being said, you do
0: have the choice to choose, you know, who you're going to be enslaved to, quote unquote, like you have the choice um, to decide who you're going to serve. You have the freedom, you could say, to choose to serve either. But before Christ, before you are a believer in Christ, you will not desire to serve him. You, you're you dead and your trespasses and sin. Our default as human beings is to serve the devil by sinning. And people will say, well, I'm not serving the devil and I'm not serving God. I'm just serving myself. That doesn't exist. That's not possible in the realm of possibility because the devil is winning if you're serving yourself. And so essentially, you're serving him because he's winning when you serve yourself. There was a movie that we went and watched last year, and it was basically um, a really long movie with a really complicated plot. But the essence of it was there was a man who believed his entire life that he had been serving himself, that he had been um, doing things for himself and for his own good and to make his career grow and to make his life more successful and all of the things that you could imagine serving yourself would be. And he encounters a demon possessed man where the demon is speaking to him and the demon says, really, you've been serving the devil this whole time. The demon
1: was rejoicing when the guy did what he thought was what he wanted.
0: Exactly. Because the reality is when we're doing what we think we want,
1: we're really doing what the devil wants us to do. And so he is winning by that. When you begin a relationship with Christ, though, you are set free from that sin. You are set free from um, being enslaved to that sin. You're no longer enslaved. But before Christ came, the Jews, which are the people of God in the Old Testament, um, the Israelites, they believed that the way to obtain righteousness and to have a right relationship with God was through the law. So Moses. Um, and one of the leaders that God brought to Israel, um, he received the Ten Commandments from God, and that is called the Law. And so that those Ten Commandments describe what you are supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. And it, um, gives just like kind of boundaries on how the Israelites were supposed to live. And so the Israelites would work really hard and try to obey God and do all of the things that the Law laid out. They were enslaved to the law. They were like, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this and follow all of the traditions and the laws to a T in order to be good enough for God. That was the only way that they knew how to gain salvation. But that's not what Jesus has for us. And that's not what was supposed to happen in the Old Testament either. Both of those, like now and in the Old Testament, that's wrong. We are not to obtain righteousness by following the law or become right with God by following the law. Because actually, this method literally does not work. Like, it doesn't. The Israelites in the Old Testament tried again and again and again to obey. Their heart, like, there were even times when they're completely genuine in their faith. They're like, we're going to follow God. We believe in you wholeheartedly. We want to do what you say. But then they fell short, like, the next day. The next day, they found themselves sinning. The next day, they found themselves turning to make idols or to worship other gods um, they couldn't not sin. There's like, they, they tried and they couldn't not sin. And neither can I, I can't not sin by, by myself, by myself, I am enslaved to sin. And all I will do is sin. And even trying to follow the law and to please God that way, that won't work. Romans 6, 15, um, says for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. So with Christ, we are not under the law anymore. Christ fulfilled the law. He perfectly fulfilled the law. Um, we don't have to work to uphold it anymore because Christ perfectly fulfilled it. So does that mean that since Christ fulfilled the law that I don't have to follow it anymore, that it's just like obsolete? So like when it says to honor my father and mother and to not kill anyone and to not lie, does that mean that like I'm not supposed to do that anymore? Well, funny, the Bible actually talks about that in the very next verse. It says, um, what then? Shall we sin because we are no longer under the law but under grace? By no means. Or
0: as Audrey would say, heck no. Which, yes, just go with it. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) now that we have been forgiven, that doesn't mean that we have this newfound liberty to sin and to live in the life that we used to live in. Romans 6, 1 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? When Christ died for the sins that we previously lived in, He died for those. He put those to death. When He died and then we accepted His death as our source of salvation, our sin died with Him. See, we can't continue to live in the sin that Christ died for. He died for it. So why would we still live for it? Romans 6, says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. If we are asking for Christ's blood to cover our sin, then we shouldn't still be okay with that same sin. Instead, when we trust in Christ, we're made alive. Guys, this is where true freedom is found. This, this in Christ, is how we go from dead in our trespasses and sin to alive with Christ and living in the freedom that
1: he offers through his death and his resurrection. So Audrey's just said that we were made alive. She said Ooh. that we are, no, we were dead in our sins and now Christ died on the cross and our sin nature died with him. And so now Christ raised from the dead. And just like Christ raising from the dead, we are made alive. But well, we are not just made alive for like the fun of it. We are made alive for a purpose. God has a purpose for us in this freedom. He has a way that he wants us to walk. Um, but that may sound like slavery again to you. That may sound like, okay, so now instead of serving sin, I'm just going to serve God and I'm still enslaved. Like what? No. Like, but that's not what it's saying. Um, it actually is saying that we were enslaved to the sin. We were enslaved to that. But really the spirit it, that works in us changes our desires. So it's not that we're enslaved, but that we're doing what we really want to do. So he changes our desires, and that's what makes us righteous. So Galatians 5.14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I was talking about the law earlier. We cannot completely leave behind the law and turn to our sin. That's what we just said. This is not what we will do because Christ has given us his spirit. We're not going to just leave the law behind. Verse 16 says, but I, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Let the Holy Spirit begin to work in your life, and He will change your desires. You won't want to sin anymore. You won't want to go do these things. And so the Holy Spirit is working in you and changing you. Um, it's, it's a passive thing that does require an activeness from us. We can't just go... And pursue our sin. We need to pursue Christ. But when we pursue Christ, he changes us and his spirit changes us. Verse 17 says, for the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. So what I just said. So you can't, if you're, if you're a true believer, if you have allowed Christ to, um, pay for your sins and make your sin a past thing, then you aren't going to continue sinning because living by the spirit and living in sin, those two things don't go together. They contradict. They're in opposition to one another. So you can't just do like whatever you want in your sin nature because that's not what you will want to do anymore. The spirit will change you. But verse 18 says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You are not under the law because the spirit leads you to love God and love others, which upholds the law. It's a circle. It's it's literally a circle. So before what the Jews were doing, they were like, okay, I have to love people. I have to do this. I have to honor my parents. I have to not kill anyone. I have to do all of these things so that I keep the law. Um, it felt like work. It was all of these things they had to do. Um, but instead, now we are free to let the spirit change our desires so that we want to do to do the things of the law the passage goes on to list a bunch of sins I'm not going to read it but I do encourage you to go to Galatians 5 and read it for yourself I used to I've read this list of sins many times before in my life um and this this is something that I've really struggled with is I would see lists of sins like these in the bible and I would just think okay so this is a list of things that I'm not supposed to do um all the way up until I was around the age of 16 or 17, I really just believed that um, my sin was something that I had to conquer and I had to fight it myself and I had to do all of the things. Um, but the list of sins that is right here isn't to tell me what not to do. It is to tell me what the spirit will keep me from. It is to show, so this is what you will be without the spirit, but with the spirit, it'll bring you to something else. And also like with the spirit,
0: your conviction or your temptation for those sins is going to lessen. Like obviously the temptation to those sins is going to exist still because that's never going to go away. Right. But with the spirit, you can therefore fight the temptations to not do all of those things. Mm-hmm.
1: And so think about it this way. Slaves, they work, right? When you're enslaved to someone, they're going to make you do the things that they want you want them, they want you to do. And that's work um they work and they work to please their master but we in christ we are free because we are no longer tied to our sin nature and instead we have the spirit in our lives changing our desires so leading us to become more like christ leading us to want to become more like christ so audrey if i was to tell you right now yes we have to go to taco bell like we have to you have to go get one of those box yeah thank you one of the box things that you get. Yeah. If I told you you had to do that, would you feel like I'm enslaving you? No. Why not? Cuz I love Taco Bell and I want Taco Bell. Exactly. I Aud- see where you're going with this. Audrey wants Taco Bell. She wants um to eat that. She wants to get it. She wants to go. So when I tell her she has to do that, it's no longer a uh, it's no longer work for her. It's really just enjoyable. And so that's what the spirit is doing in our lives is so, really, in all honesty, I don't really like Taco Bell that much. Ah. But the spirit in this analogy would be working in my life to make me want Taco Bell. So, I feel the way that Audrey does that when someone says, You have to go to Taco Bell, I say, Yay, let's go. I want Taco Bell. You know? So, it's no longer slavery the way that we think of it, because it does say that we are slaves to righteousness in scripture. I don't want to ignore that. It does say that we are slaves to righteousness, but slaves in the fact that um, our, we are now to serve righteousness, but it's not because we're forced to. It's because we want to. Um, and the reason that I want to do what is good and right is because the spirit has changed my heart. Um, Doing the same good works, like Audrey and I could both be doing the same good works and it can either be slavery to the law or it can be freedom in Christ depending on where that fruit is. Is flowing from so I could be Audrey and I could be doing all of the right things trying to please God and it could feel like so much work or I could be me and I could be trying um to please God but instead just doing the things that I want to do because the spirit has changed my desires those are your two choices one is beautiful and free and um it's life-giving and the other is tiresome and you feel weary and you are weighed down by it this burden um Galatians 5, through 23 says, and this is the very next verse, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. So when a f- tree bears fruit, it is just a result of it being. It's just a tree lives and breathes and it does its thing. And the result is fruit. The tree isn't over there waking up every morning going, ah, I have to produce this fruit. It's just something that happens as a result of it being and living. And so that's the same way. When we let the spirit work in our lives, this is the fruit that comes from it. Now, that is not to belittle the intentionality that is involved in our relationship with Christ. But we are not called to muster up all of the gumption to do the right thing. We are called to pursue Christ And let him change us. And that's the key is pursuing
0: Christ because I know a lot of people will be like, well, I'm saved now. So I'm just going to let God take care of making me holy. And I'm just going to sit back and not going to pray. And you know what? I don't need church and I don't really need to read the Bible. And, you know, I'm not going to surround myself with Christian people because I'm just going to let God do all the work. And. That is not biblical because yes, God is the one who is making us more like Christ because we can't do that. But we have to put in the, not work, but the intentionality, like Lily said. So I have to say, you know what? I'm going to pray because that's how I talk to God. And I'm going to read my Bible because that's how God talks to me. And I'm going to go to church because that's what God asks me to do. But again, he's asking it and I want to do it because it's a desire that he has placed in my heart. And so while he is in charge of the sanctification process and making us holy, we have to be willing to let him do that. And if we are not in the word and in prayer, then it's not going to happen.
1: And sometimes it might feel like, okay, why does, why does reading my Bible feel like work today? why does, um I don't feel like I'm free right now. Like, I feel like I need to read my Bible and I need to pray and I need to do all of these things. Well, first of all, know that Christ isn't expecting this of you. It's not like he um is like, ah, she's not righteous anymore. She doesn't have a relationship with me anymore because she's not writing her Bible or praying or any of those things. But sometimes we have to do the things that will bring us closer to God before we want them because doing those things will lead us to want him more. And that's how we have a healthy
0: relationship with God is by reading his word, by praying. And sure, sometimes like Lily said, it can feel like a lot of work because we get busy or whatever, but ultimately that's how we close in that connection with God. We've used the analogy a million times, but if I never talk to Lily, we're not going to be close. If we never spend time in God's word talking to him and him talking to us through his word, then we're not going to feel close to God.
1: But the first time that I met Audrey, I felt uncomfortable talking to her or like getting really like close with her because we weren't friends yet. We didn't know each other, and so it wasn't it wasn't easy. It felt maybe like a little bit of work to get to know her. But when I got to know her, now being with Audrey is no work. Like I'm just we're just existing together, and it's not a big deal. Like doesn't doesn't drain me at all. But the first few encounters with her felt uncomfortable and hard because I didn't know her yet. And so that might be the same thing with God. So don't think that if you feel that way, that that means that you're necessarily working. Just stay the course, keep going and ask the spirit, ask Christ to give you the desire. Ask him, hey, I I want to want this. I don't want it yet, but help me to want it. I want to want it so bad.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: No, that's so good. And he'll fulfill that because again, he wants to be in a relationship with you. He
0: wants to grow that relationship too. And to wrap this all up, I'm going to read one last passage from Romans 6, verses 17 and 18 say, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. For the wages of sin is death, this is verse 23, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a joy that is, because we were born free to choose our own way, but we were still slaves to the desires of our flesh. Then Jesus Christ, the Son of God Himself, gave His entire life so that we can be free from the bondage of sin. I hope that you find joy and comfort in that today. And, you know, maybe you're listening and you're saying, well, I am a slave to the passions of my flesh. I am still a slave to that. Please talk to someone. Message us, come find us, talk to someone in your church, someone you know that can help you with that. Because you can be free from the desires and temptations of your sin. And no, they're not going to completely go away, but you're going to be able to overcome them through Christ. The Bible says today is the day of salvation to those who believe. So what's holding you back? If you believe today, you can feel what it is to truly be free. And we... Be- oh, so sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say beep. Um, This has concluded part one of our freedom series because there is so much more. I know you're probably like, I don't want to hear about freedom anymore, but there is more and it's very good. And it will be here next week.
1: Yes, next week we're going to, and I want you to ponder on this, talk about unconventional freedom. So you'll see. You have the freedom and next week you're going to give it away. Oh, you gave them too much. No, I didn't. Now they can think about it. Now they can think about it. But I wanted them just to roll around with the words unconventional freedom. Okay, then forget what I said. No, you won't. It's recorded. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We would like to thank the Tower for hosting us every week. We are so thankful for... Um, the opportunity to have this podcast here at CBC. Um, please go follow them on Instagram. It is at the CBC Tower. It's very simple. Um, also, go and follow our Podcast. Um, our handle may not be as simple because I can never say it. It's at our high tops underscore, underscore his, his steps. steps. I got half of it that time, maybe next week. Um, but we already kind of gave you a little bit of a hint into our next podcast. So I hope that you guys will continue to listen yeah. and share it with your friends. I know um, that this this podcast could be an encouragement to um, someone from any walk of life, whether they're a believer or an unbeliever. So I pray that you would um, share that with someone who needs to hear it. Because who doesn't want to be free? Amen.
0: All right. Well, that's all for now, guys. Adios.
1: Adios.